0: Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End we have been exploring a section of the New Testament called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this episode, we're going to read one of its better-known verses, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The Pharisees had a bad habit of exalting themselves as morally superior by pulling down everybody else around them. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus presented a carefully crafted parable as a parody of this mindset. The start of it goes like this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Great attitude, right? No, not at all. Luke even tells us the reason for Jesus telling the story when he did. It was for the benefit of some in the crowd who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. The more religious people of the day promoted a lifestyle that strived for some sort of moral perfection. This actually came from sort of noble intentions. In their mind, a critical mass of righteous, morally perfect people would truly be a force to reckon with. Perhaps they could even be holy enough to fight their oppressors alongside a warrior type Messiah and see the kingdom restored by that kind of force. As noble as it may have sounded at the time, this method had too many cracks. It was far too militant for starters, but it was also heavily dependent on human logic and human power structures, and Jesus didn't like the results their approach was producing. The religious folk would climb to the top of their perceived righteous mountain, and then would gloat as other people failed to make the climb. They looked down on those who couldn't live as righteously as they did. And they simply enjoyed the power that being religiously and morally better than others seemed to provide. It is that mindset that Jesus is speaking into in this teaching. And he is clear here that in the kingdom of God, this is not how disciples are to be. The challenge Jesus gives is to not judge or condemn. If we get a bit nerdy and consider the original Greek language, we get this understanding of not judging. Don't call others to question in such a way that they are condemned in your sight. In Luke's account of this teaching, we also see the word forgive thrown in. And this means to loosen your hold. Simply put, just as retaliation is taken out of our hands, so is the task of passing that sort of judgment. Our position as kingdom people is to not write people off. We must never come to a place in our thinking where a person no longer has access to the kingdom that we are part of. Frankly, this is just not our call. In James chapter 4, we are reminded that there is only one lawgiver and judge, and he alone is the one who is able to save or destroy. The fact of the matter is that we are not the authors of our own righteous standard. We are fellow citizens under God's. And since it is his standard, it is his role to judge. Judgment on our part is nothing more than pride and hypocrisy. Our position in all of this is to operate in forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. Having said all that, there is another modern phenomenon that is appropriate to address at this time, and that is the prevalent quoting of this verse for less than honest purposes. This verse is often quoted by people on the verge of doing unwise and even sinful things. And it's usually after somebody innocently and respectfully points out the unwise or sinful thing. So there's a big question to consider as we engage with this verse. Is someone speaking a brotherly warning or respectfully pointing out a hazard or a sin, an act of judgment and therefore inappropriate, or are they doing the right thing? Well, Jesus' opening statement tells us that taking a superior stance and writing others off is not our place. That is judgment. And whatever means of judgment we employ, Jesus will ensure that we receive the same ourselves. But following those statements, Jesus gives appropriate measures for personal reflection and the way in which we can come alongside others in those times. Throughout the New Testament, this is called rebuke or correction. It is very much a valid form of ministry among believers. In verse 3, Jesus goes on to tell a parable. Some modern Bible teachers call it the parable of foreign bodies. The concept is pretty easy. If you get a foreign body lodged in your eye, it needs to come out because it will become painful and it can lead to complications and even loss of sight. With Jesus being a carpenter and many of the audience familiar with that line of work, they would have quickly identified with the pain and discomfort of the situation. They knew full well just how annoying a little piece of sawdust could become. And if you've ever gotten something in your eye, you'll know how much of a relief it is to see it on the end of a cotton bud rather than in your eye. The crowd in the first century didn't have the quality glass mirrors that we have. So seeing a foreign body often needed another set of eyes and hands to help move the problem on. Correction is the act of a believer coming alongside another believer and helping them with a the process of removing foreign objects of sin in their lives. Proverbs 25 verse 12 says this, Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. Psalm 141 verse 5 says this, Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness, let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. In 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, Paul tells us this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When a credible fellow believer approaches us and lovingly and discreetly mentions something harmful that they see in us, with a view to helping us remove it, that is called appropriate biblical correction. If we are seen doing something questionable and someone gently and discreetly comes alongside us to ask if we're okay and on track, that is appropriate biblical correction. It is actually a very healthy thing to have this process around us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once spoke of the importance of meeting together as bringers of the gospel with the idea that I need the gospel in my brother, and my brother needs the gospel in me. The church needs each other and the gospel that we all hold to, and there is great comfort in knowing that people in the faith are watching our back. I personally want to stay faithful in my Christian journey, but I also know how blind I can be to my own shortcomings. But thankfully, there are trustworthy people who feel comfortable enough around me to ask about the foreign bodies they feel or see in me. If we can't welcome that sort of thing in our lives, then our faith journey is quite frankly going to wind up either short or ineffective. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 calls us to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hebrews 10.24 says to let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The ordained way in church is to be alongside each other, looking out for each other, watching each other's back, and all of us growing forward, loving at all times, and correcting when it is needed. Done right, this is appropriate and doesn't slip into the realm of judgment that Jesus wants us to avoid. But here's the point of Jesus' parable. The height of hypocrisy is the willingness to point out the foreign objects in the lives of others without being willing to address our own, often greater, foreign objects. So don't write others off and be as open to personal examination as you are to examining others. The Pharisaic way called for people at the top to ignore their own state and jump on the problems and the shortcomings of others. The Pharisaic way dragged a woman into the streets, demanding she be stoned right there for being pushed into the arms of another man, by men who ended up walking away because Jesus made their imperfection clear to them by simply drawing stuff in the dirt. But the new kingdom way of Jesus calls for acute self-awareness and self-examination. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, the Lord's design of the tabernacle and eventually the temple included a unique washing bowl for the priests to use before performing priestly duties. It was made from bronze donated by the people, and as the priests washed, they would be able to see their own reflection as part of their washing preparation. So in this example, we learn that self-examination is the first step to changing the lives of others. Godly correction begins with the person we see in the mirror first. So where does this correction idea start and stop? Is this for church people only? Are we to make any line of distinction at all? Do we tell the world that their actions and their morals are wrong? Well, Jesus actually doesn't tell us if this is specifically an internal or external thing but it does appear the early church took it as mainly applicable among themselves. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once made a significant observation that is worth noting here. He writes, The New Testament is not interested in the conduct of people who are not Christians and has nothing to say to them other than they must repent. Until they repent and believe in Jesus, it is not interested in their behavior. But the moment they become Christians— It is vitally interested in their conduct. And it seems the Apostle Paul might agree. In 1 Corinthians 5, he writes this as he corrects some things in a wayward church. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. A group of disciples who can hold each other accountable for how they pursue the way of God's kingdom is a really good thing. And I'm convinced the letters of the New Testament are designed to help us do that. And that loving and restorative correction is part of that process. But we are also called by Jesus to stay out of the territory known as judgment. And I see three helpful ideas on how to do this in what Jesus says in our main passage. First, if you're going to help someone with the foreign bodies, as it were, present yourself as an equal. We are all loved by a God who will eventually be our judge. And no one can claim to be morally superior or better positioned to judge another. Even as believers who know the Holy Spirit, we still have the flesh to constantly deal with. And the things that the world around us struggles with in the flesh are things we struggle with too. I believe it's important to remember that. And it seems that again, the Apostle Paul agrees. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he writes down a detailed list of people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. And there is a sobering reminder that we only made it off that list because of Jesus' work. We don't inherit this kingdom through our own efforts, and neither can they. It's all about Jesus. As long as we remember that, we are going to stay out of judgment territory. Second, if you're going to help somebody else with their foreign bodies, Be real. Transparent people are better received than hypocritical people in any and every environment. Too many people have walked away from church citing hypocrisy as the reason for their departure. Too many people have rejected the faith because its representatives have taken moral high ground in word without having the lifestyle to back it up. Friend, if you've been on the receiving end of that, I want to apologize for the experience you've had Jesus expects us as his followers to be better than that. If we want to effectively announce and demonstrate this kingdom that Jesus speaks of and invites us into, we must be willing to spend time prayerfully looking in our mirrors, and we must spend time around other objective, credible believers who know us well. We need to give people with plank-free eyes the permission to examine our specs and help us with our foreign bodies. Only then can we be truly qualified to do that sort of ministry ourselves. James 5 verse 16 tells us to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we may become healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So be real and be equal. And third, know when to walk away. That's what Jesus is getting into in this final verse where he poetically says, don't throw our pearls before pigs. Let's be clear here, the pearls are the main part to capture in that line, not the pigs, not the dogs. I believe the idea of pearls in this passage is the loving, corrective, restoring ministry of others around us that makes our faith stronger. If this is the case, then we are to see this type of ministry as something of sacred value to both receive and offer to others. However, there are people who, no matter what we do, will remain hostile to the things of God. No matter how loving or transparent we are, no matter how non-judgmental we can be, there will be some who will reject this life of faith that Jesus has to offer. Some people will get offended because someone offered genuine loving correction to them. Others want a faith expression that doesn't address things in a way that calls for any significant change. Simply put, these sorts of people won't see this sort of ministry as sacred or valuable. So Jesus is basically saying here, if people don't want to receive this sort of ministry, and if they are going to respond in hostility, don't offer it their way. There will be many others who will value what you bring. But even then, the hostility they send our way must never be met with judgment from us. God has all of that in control. So as we consider what Jesus is teaching us in this passage, here's a few quick questions that we can ask ourselves. First, what is our attitude towards those around us? Are we erroneously taking moral or spiritual high grounds that we have no right taking? Are we seeing ourselves as superior to any other person? It might be good to take a moment to examine that and even look for the little subtle hints of that. The next question is this, who in our lives has permission to inspect us for foreign bodies? Is it someone who can see clearly themselves? And given the way our lives can be at times, we actually may need a few inspectors. And finally, are we spurring somebody on? Are we lovingly available and free to be inspectors with integrity ourselves? With all that in mind, let's finish this episode. With a word of prayer. Jesus, help me to understand the difference between judgment and correction in my own life and in the way I interact with others. Help me to never take moral high ground that I have no business taking, but instead help me to love others and look for ways to spur them on in love and doing good. In doing this, I can stay out of the realm of judging others. I choose now to be open and transparent with others. I choose now to see the restorative and corrective ministry of others in my life as pearls and sacred treasure. I choose now to allow my life to be examined so that I might be qualified to help others the same way. And I leave any and all forms of judgment completely to you, Jesus. For you alone are worthy to do this right. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.